0: Hi, I'm Derek T. Dingle, Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer for Black Enterprise. Welcome to the latest edition of Chasing Success. I'm excited to have as my guest today a top banking executive who plays a vital role in advancing wealth building within communities of color. Lawrence Bailey serves as head of community banking and business development for Chase Bank. His focus, expanding financial inclusion to more communities and consumers. He also facilitates the adoption of products and tools to align with customer needs and help them build financially healthy habits. This Nashville, Tennessee native who was raised in Columbia, Maryland has over 20 years in banking. A graduate of Towson State in Maryland, he has ascended to a number of impactful positions at Chase, including head of national sales and support for consumer banking, and head of Chase Home Lending Retail Sales, where he was responsible for 2,500 sales and support professionals nationwide. Throughout his tenure, he has been an active member of the Executive Culture Council, National Diversity Council, and a champion of community service. Lawrence, thank you for joining us.
1: Derek, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this uh, interview, Um, you know, heard a a lot about you, but I always believe it's best to get it from the source. So please share with us uh, your role as head of uh, community banking and business development at Chase Bank.
1: Well, again, thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, Yeah, the role itself is, is, uh, is just that. So Um, I have a team that we're putting together of community managers who really are in service to how we can close the racial wealth gap by, quite frankly, putting boots on the ground. Uh, So I'm in the process of standing up a community banking team of 150 community managers across the United States. Uh, And we think about ourselves as kind of like the quarterback of the team. So we we feel like we're going to be out in the community uh, and, and literally having the community come into the four walls of the branch, but actually going to see them the way they want us to visit them out in the community. So first and foremost, we're gonna stand up that community banking team. And when you think about business development, it's just that. So do we have the right products? Do we have the right services? Uh, Do we have the right engagement really for the communities that we're really trying to make an impact in which is predominantly black and the Latinx community across uh, the United States?
0: Uh, That's... That's uh, fascinating, um, and what's even as fascinating is when you started. You started about a year and four months ago, I believe, and you started a couple of months before the, the twin pandemics, the, the pandemic, uh, the public health pandemic, and then the uh, pandemic of racial reckoning. Uh, share with us how it felt how did you marshal the forces during such a um, tumultuous period? You know, not only for you know the bank, but for the entire nation and world.
1: Yeah, um, exactly, just that. So I a little bit of background. Um, I was living in Los Angeles, California, called the last close to thirty years. Uh, although I grew up on the East Coast in, in Maryland and uh, a great opportunity presented itself to really lead the community banking team. Uh, So I moved to Texas, uh, literally in February, right before the pandemic hit. Uh, So great timing on my part. Uh, And I did so because it was an opportunity to really bring some of the things that I've done in my past, my background, spent the majority of my time in, in home lending and also in the retail bank footprint. And a job presented itself where we could mirror the business with the community aspect And to your point, it happened right before the pandemic. Uh, At the same time, uh, I also was asked to to lean in on a role that was called national sales for the entire consumer bank as well. So we think about like all the things that hit to your your question, uh, the pandemic, uh, the social unrest, uh, this in terms of where I'm at in my personal career, in my journey, and my purpose really provided a platform uh, and the resources to really figure out a way to make impact and thus was, was birthed this job. Uh, but to your point earlier too around the question, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many things that intersect and what really was evidenced during the social unrest, what was evidenced during what we saw through the pandemic was the racial wealth gap is widening, not shrinking. The impact on black communities specifically, but also the black and brown communities during the pandemic um, has really caused us to really put eyes and say, We knew there was a problem, but the problem is really being exacerbated based on uh, what's happening in the community. So a role like this, when we talk about community banking, really is in a unique way, as I call it, to really find a way to mirror the business with the community, with the government, with the nonprofits, and and do all those things in service to closing the racial wealth gap. But there's also, obviously, the component of social unrest and social justice, which starts and ends sometime with, with racial wealth gap and the impact on these communities from crime to education, to jobs, to just opportunity. And and we're trying to really make impact here at Chase and and that's the team that I'm leading.
0: Um, You know, I, I wanted to stay there for a second. So as you're dealing with this unprecedented challenge, how do you get your team, one, to focus on the task at hand? And at the same time, Serve in a severely challenged customer base. I mean, challenged prior to the pandemic, but now, you know, heightened in terms of fear, concern, the future, and, and how can, you know, Chase come to bear to, to help me see, see the light, so to speak, the financial. Yeah, the,
1: the, the biggest challenge, Derek, was the trust factor when it comes to big banks and chasing specific, specifically. So we think about our team, we really knew that job number one, was: you could have the best products, the best advice, you know, the best team, but if the community doesn't trust you, then they'll never use those services and they'll never get that advice. So our job number one today and ongoing is how do we build trust in the community? And, and quite frankly, when you think about the pandemic, well, what was pretty evident also was we had to make sure that we created tools and advice so people would do things from the comfort of their home. They could get advice from the comfort of their home. They could use digital tools, their phone, their computer, and do all of their banking from the comfort of their home. We could have seminars and what we call chase chats where we bring in very small groups. We teach them about things like home buying. We think about teaching things like how to get ready to start a business. We, t- we think about the basics of money. You know, what is credit? What does having a primary checking account mean? You know, what does savings mean? So we think about doing all those things and we had to stand up tools and advice if we could do things virtually during the pandemic. And that's what we've been doing for the last call of 14 months is to make sure that the community can bank with us from the safety of their home or on their phone. And that was job number one. And then job number two, in in any order you want to call it, got to make sure they trust us. And what we're also finding out is people are making decisions in terms of who they bank with based on what the company stands for. And I like to think that this company stands for doing the right thing. And when we make a mistake, we step up and own it, and we do the right thing. And here's an opportunity where we're trying to do the best we can do and do the right thing, which is going into the community and make sure we can serve the community with the right products and services that are specific, Derek, to the community needs, whether it's in the south side of Chicago, whether it's in Minneapolis, uh, or whether it's here in Dallas where we opened up. One of our community centers here in the last week or
0: two. Yeah. Tell me the evolution of that, because that community center is pretty revolutionary in terms of banking, in terms of creating an environment that's embracing of the community. How was that designed? When was that implemented? How did you you know, work with your, your team and the Chase organization to develop this um, incredible um, um Area access
1: point to uh, the community. Yeah, the the one thing that's exciting, and again, I've been in the financial services industry, Derek, for (laughs) 20 plus years, probably 25 years. You know, what we're trying to attempt to do is really mirror the two. So just visualize this you have a traditional retail branch, you come in as a bank, there's tellers, there's bankers, you know, there's specialists that do home lending, but you typically see the bank in one location. And then you'll see community centers popping up in different locations. What we're doing is putting them all in the same location together. So now when you walk into the front door of a retail banker chase, to the left is a community center with space where you can have the events, as I mentioned, whether it's a seminar on how to save for a down payment to buy a home, whether it's a seminar on how to start a business. So depending on what the, the, the community needs, you can do that right inside the four walls of the branch. The beautiful thing about doing it in this way, which is why we we think it is revolutionary, is now if there's advice and products you need, you don't have to drive and go to a different location. You literally have the specialists, whether it's financial advisors, home lending specialists, just traditional retail bankers, that teach you about the basics of money right in the same location. And then the last thing about it is we're inviting the community to use the space. Also, we're a lot. We're saying, hey, nonprofits, government officials. This is spaces for the community, so if you want to have events in the in the community center, we welcome you into the four walls of Chase. So this is why it's kind of unique in terms of bringing everything together under one roof.
0: Well, this is particularly important because you know in so many African American communities, uh, so many Latinx communities, you have basically financial deserts. There's not a branch there. There's not somewhere there that they can go to to gain access. To, to bankers, to talk about their financial concerns, to gain services. So this is um, one of the efforts to provide an oasis, you know, to follow through with that metaphor, uh, to help, you know, um, your customers and to give them that um, financial nourishment so that they can have the financial health that you, you discussed, you know, and, um, you know, grow their, um, grow and build wealth.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Derek, and it's a good point. And I love the metaphors we talk about at Desert, because the one thing that we realized several years ago was we needed to be proximate in the community. So in addition to the community branches that are community centers all in one, we also committed to opening up an additional 100 branches in low to moderate income communities across the country. So when you think about the 5,000 plus retail branches we already have, and you continue to add more and more in the communities to your point to make sure that it's not a desert, that it's an oasis, here's an opportunity to do to do just that. And I think the one key point that I, that I always say, Derek, and I've learned this on my journey, so by no means am I gonna say I own this, but when we talk about financial literacy versus financial health, they are two very distinct things. Okay. And I know you know this, and, and I, that's why I love sharing this, but for the broader audience, when you think about financial literacy, that's the know-how. That's that, That's the same metaphors, since you like metaphors, when I think about my nutrition. I know what I'm not supposed to eat. Now, I still am going to eat that cake and eat those cookies, but I'm nutritionally literate, but am I actually healthy? This is the same thing about financial literacy. Knowing the know-how is where we start, but then we want to make sure that you're not just literate, that you're actually healthy, and that's our journey.
0: So... So... In terms of developing that that concept, how do you marry uh, that concept with the path forward? You have the thirty billion dollar investment for racial equity. You talked about that um, Chase has made an investment in. How does that manifest itself in your uh, your division? You know, how does that commute? How do you implement that portion of the program to drive financial health, and meet the needs of uh, your customers?
1: Yeah, the one thing that, the, and I love the $30 billion commitment that, we, that we, we we wrote out, and that is really broad to your question Derek. It's really broad. So that goes, what we realize is you need to do more than just one particular thing. And because we have so many businesses and we have so many tentacles into the community, whether it's business banking, home lending, credit, retail banking, commercial lending, et cetera. We have the the breadth and the depth to do things wide. But one thing that is an opportunity, which is why I'm excited about putting boots on the ground is we need to have the community managers and that sales force to go out to the community because that's what's missing. And that's what I've seen across different entities where you have a great idea, but what's always missing is how do we get into the community? So when you think about having 150 community managers spread out across the country, now we can be proximate and now we can go to that small business and talk to you at your business as we've done in places like Houston and more recently in Oakland and in Chicago. We can go to that nonprofit with our community manager, go find out what are the needs that you're seeing. And then I can go back to our whole sales force and say, by the way, I went and visited the branch. They have 25 employees here in Houston. What they really need is the basics or primary checking and savings and what products and services we have. What they really need is to understand what to do with their 401k. And what they really need is just to understand that we do have all those products and services for them, and we can do so by going to them versus expecting them to come into the four walls of our branch. So that's why we're excited about how that, we call it the one chase quarterback there, where we can go out, find out what's going on and make sure we put the ball in the right hands, depending on what the customer's needs are.
0: I know one area that's been a primary focus has been one of home ownership, share the one quarterback concept and how that's helped to drive home ownership, which is the basis of wealth creation.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I I remember Derek going back to when I was running the the sales force for for the home loan division here at Chase, uh, which I've done for a long time. And, And during the pandemic in 2008, which was absolutely horrible and the impact on the black community specifically, as you just said, where a lot of our wealth was, was based, was in our equity. Yeah. And seeing the impact on that community really, it, it, that kind of background leads to what we're trying to do today and you learn from, from your mistakes, you learn from what happened across the country and you then you realize, what can we do? The biggest impediment to home ownership is the down payment. Hmm. And the second thing is credit. Okay. So when you think about the down payment, the one thing that we introduced and realized was an opportunity was we needed to help with the down payment. So We introduced a down payment grant of $5,000, that's forgivable, uh, for consumers, and it's it's in 6,700 markets across the country right now. So that's number one, how can we help with the down payment? The beautiful thing about that down payment is if there's local down payments, as there is here in Dallas and Oak Cliff that the city provides, you can stack those on top. So if there's a grant from the city combined with our $5,000 grant, now you have more money to help the down payment. So we needed to address the down payment. When you think about credit, we have a free service, whether you bank with Chase or not called Credit Journey. And you can enroll in Credit Journey and learn out of eight what your score is. And as you're on the path to 700 plus as we call it. And then you can figure out what you need to do to get there. So when you do get that down payment mirrored with, I'm working on my credit, I'm at a place where I now can afford to buy a home. Now you mirror both things. And that's the biggest impediment we see with homeownership is the down payment and credit. And we're trying to address both things uh, simultaneously and also with the people in the field. So again, the advice, the, the, the training seminars, all the community engagement we're gonna do is also gonna be the education portion of how do you even start buying a home? What's that process look like? And we'll be doing a ton of home buying seminars. We've already been doing some of those virtually already across the country, and we're excited to continue to keep doing those.
0: Well, your, your philosophy um, is one of community building. So in terms of putting those pieces together, uh, developing those partnerships, knowing those stakeholders within the community, as well as the community re- residents themselves. Is that part of the community building process? And how does that fuel the um, aspirations and, and helping your customers meet the asp- their financial aspirations?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a phrase that, that we've adopted called community banking to community building there. Hmm. And, uh, and we've really been running with that. And a few things that we recognize to address your question is, you know, when you talk about that trust factor, which I think is where you're going, and yeah. you talk about engaging the local community business leaders, you talk about engaging the nonprofits, and quite frankly, you just talk about engaging the folks in that community in general, uh, trust was a big factor. So the other thing that we, we recognize and we've been doing is hiring locally. And that's a big thing We you talk about trust. So I know where I'm from when I grew up in Baltimore. And I know that if it was people that worked in the bank that either were from that community or new folks in the community that could talk about, hey, I went to that high school. I remember that, that store down the street we used to go to. I remember that park down the street I used to go to. Then you get that inherent trust to say, this person identifies with the community and or this person is from the community. So when we're hiring home lending specialists, or we're hiring bankers, when I'm hiring community managers, The one thing that's critical is we want to make sure that they are from the community and know the community so we can have that inherent trust in terms of the things that we're trying to do. So it's critical that we have that trust. Then it's the execution of what we're trying to do, which is bring in the nonprofit, bring in the government sector, bring in the small businesses. And we've been doing that, Derek, through what we call listening sessions. So before we go into a community with a community center like we did in the south side of Chicago or just recently in Oakland, we did a bunch of listening sessions with the leaders in the community to say, hey, is are we on track to do the right thing? What are the biggest challenges in your specific community that might be different as we go across the country? So everything we do is around what the community is telling us we need to do. And those listening sessions are ongoing. It's not once, it's not twice. We will continue to do those things and make sure that we're hitting the mark and listening to the community and the needs that they have.
0: Yeah, so you really take a holistic approach to, uh... To, to banking and and get all of the different, um, as I said, stakeholders engaged to drive that trust factor. You know, um, actually, you, um, you opened the door to something I wanted to um, ask you about. You are extremely passionate about this about this uh, work, um, and your history has been in home lending, and then you know you you believe in inclusion, diversity and inclusion, you're a champion of customer service and, uh, you know, and, and, and community banking. What drove you to go into banking? What was the, um, what was the aha moment that said, this is what I want to do. And this is the impact that I want to have in my life.
1: Yeah, Derek, don't get me emotional on this one. So I'm gonna try to, to talk about this without so getting emotional. But, you know, when I think about where I grew up, Uh, In Baltimore, and then at the age of seven, uh, my mom and dad moved us out to the suburbs, out in a place called Columbia, Maryland. Um, And I think about um, the history of my my family, which I which I don't mind talking about. My grandmother is 104 years old.
0: Oh, congratulations!
1: She has lived through so many different eras, starting whether it's Jim Crow, civil rights era, and here we are today, still with social unrest going on, Uh, and she's still very coherent. As a matter of fact, she still balances her checkbook because <laughs> she's still a checkbook person. I, had, I taught her how to open up her digital account a couple of months ago. So she now has online banking at, at 104 years old, which I absolutely love to keep her safe. But she was an educator and she worked at HBCUs in, 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 her, in her career. Uh, my mother was a librarian and teacher and a guidance counselor throughout her entire career. You know, my cousins and aunts were, were teachers both here in Texas and across the country and principals. So I have a family of educators that when you think about someone at 104, my mother at her age, they didn't have the opportunity to go to some schools. So when you talk about HBCUs, they had to teach and work at HBCUs because that was the only opportunity for them. And they ingrained some of those challenges they faced at a very, very young age So you fast forward to my upbringing and some of the things that I've done, uh, and specifically in home lending and even in banking, um, I've seen the best of the best, and I've seen some of the worst of the worst. And I'm actually happy, Derek, that it's this point in my career when I'm able to put all the things together because I've learned so many things. I've seen things across uh, the years that have worked. I've seen things that don't work. And I feel like with the help of my team, because the team effort and the help of the folks here at Chase. Well, we're really going to try to do something a little different. And and here we are. So when the opportunity presented itself, as you you, you talked about earlier, with the pandemic, with the social unrest, to really make an impact at this point in my career, I jumped at it. And Mm -hmm. I said, hey, this is something I can really do, because what I feel in my heart is the passion, to your point, is really turning into a purpose. And when you have the purpose now, the passion will waver, but the purpose won't waver. Derek, and that's where I'm at in my life and in my career.
0: Well, you've you, you definitely um, picked up the torch. And you're, um, just as um, your grandmother and your, your parents have done, you're, you're changing lives. And you're carrying on the education, you know, in an area that is vital to our community and, and, and our people. Uh, by the way, um, you talked about HBCUs. Which HBCUs?
1: Yeah, so so my grandmother was a teacher at Tennessee State, or I should say okay. administrative. I'm very State. familiar with Tennessee
0: State.
1: You know Tennessee State? I was born in Nashville, Tennessee, by the way. Okay. Uh, my sister is funny. I didn't mention her, too, but uh, she's Spelman, then she graduated from Howard, um, and on and on. So, and my dad um, was at West Virginia State.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, okay. Um, so, I actually went and visited him, my late daddy passed away, but. I'm uh, proud to say he was a in the Basketball Hall of Fame of West Virginia State as well. My mother went to West Virginia State as well. Uh, and she was a teacher, librarian, guidance counselor in the inner cities of Baltimore for her entire career. Um, so we can go on and on. I got my, my aunt here, Marshall University. I mean, it's just it's a lot of schools that 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 uh, our family has been part of over the, the decades. Uh, but Tennessee State and Fisk are the ones that uh, for my grandmother.
0: Well, you know, uh, a natural question that evolves from that is, um, do you bring in HBCUs in terms of, you know, your, uh, your practice, you know, if you will?
1: Yeah, uh, before the pandemic, um, and even during, we had a, we're about to launch a program where we engaged several HBCUs, and we were going to roll out a financial literacy program for the HBCUs. Um, so we're in the practice of still doing that, whether we do it virtually this year, or whether we do it in person. But uh, we also have the Advancing Black Pathways uh, program, which you're aware of. I know we talked about before. So we partner with with the Advancing Black Pathways uh, to be intentional around how we can help the folks at the HBCUs from a financial literacy perspective. But quite frankly, it's building wealth. The one thing that we talked about with HBCUs, because I'm thinking about my my cousin lives down the street. uh, Two of them, they're Morehouse men and have successful uh, African-Americans across this country who are looking to build wealth. They're not on their their journey where they're just at the beginning of their journey. So it's a whole spectrum when we think about HBCUs, when we think about the alumni program and all things you can do. When you think about the the entrepreneurs and the internships that we're doing for HBCU kids here at Chase today, where we have a ton of internships across the country that we're interning with a lot of HBCU students. It's very intentional, the partnership with the HBCUs. And I want to give a shout out to Sekou uh, and the ABP team and now Brian Lamb, who really is leading the charge and started our partnership with HBCUs across the country.
0: Yeah, I um, know Sekou very well. Um, In in all transparency, Black Enterprise is a partner of Advancing Black Pathways, primarily through the uh, Black Entrepreneurs, uh, you know, Advancing Black Entrepreneurs uh, area. Um, But I think that's an important development because that's an access point to get young people on the path, you know, to wealth building, very early. Um, One thing that you you talked about and, um, you know, and I read about in terms of your area is creating and designing financial products to meet the needs of your customers. Can you share with me any new financial products, tools that you developed so that can advance, you know, wealth building for specific challenges that you've seen within the community?
1: Yeah, um, let me start with, um, I'll start with our youth. Let's just go through at a very young age. So um, during the pandemic, Derek, we introduced Chase First Banking. And Chase First Banking is, and quite frankly, we are the only bank today that has a product for kids as young as six. Because kids are learning, we find out at that young age. There's a reason why I can give my, you know, my eight-year-old nephew at the time uh, a computer and he can show me how to use the computer, right? He can show me how to use my iPhone. So we have a, a Chase First Banking, is a product we rolled out um, fourth quarter of 2020 for kids as young as six to have their own checking account that's completely monitored and, and regulated by their parents. So you think about that, that's a unique product that only Chase has and we give them a debit card, their parents can fund the debit card, You know and they can put restrictions on the debit card in terms of where they can spend the money and how they can spend the money the kids learn about how to fund the fund the account with their allowance their chores and and that's how they learn about banking at a very young age so number one we introduce chase first banking to really address how we can get to our youth at a very young age and i'm excited about that secondarily when we think about savings which is a big need in our community we introduce both auto save as well as goal based savings So the auto save allows you literally to really click on a button and you can say, I wanna save a dollar a day. And that dollar a day will come out of your account every day and you'll never see it. But now you can double click on that dollar a day and it could go to $5 a day, $20 a day. And now you can say of that money, I want part of that to go towards my child's education. I want part of that to go towards the down payment on my home. And you can set up goal-based savings, as many as you want to, to make sure that you can understand where your money is going, how you want to save, and then you can track your savings as well. So that's a new product that we introduced as well. And then last but not least, when we think about our low-cost checking uh, account, which is called Secure, uh, that is one that really is taken off. Uh, it's a low-cost checking account that does not allow you to overdraft. Uh, it also allows you to have a second and third chance. If you made some mistakes in the past, we'll give you another chance because we don't allow you to overdraft. And we still give you a debit card, you have a normal checking account, you have full access digitally, and you also have access to all of our ATMs across the country for free. So you think about the choice of a product like Secure versus maybe doing some kind of alternative, whether to check cash in place or et cetera, uh, now you have an account where you can use and have access to our retail branches across the country, our community centers across the country, as well as our ATMs across the country, and all the advice that comes with banking at Chase. So, those are just a few that I would just off the top of my head, Derek, to come to mind.
0: Wow. It's um, you know this whole focus on customized banking is is, is just fascinating. Um, so as you look at you know the the coming year and and years to come, what are your your goals? What would you like to do further? That's transformative in terms of banking, in terms of connecting with the community, in terms of driving wealth building within the communities that you serve?
1: Yeah, the next thing that we're, that we're already launching is what's called virtual banking. And so virtual banking is just what it says. So uh, regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not, uh, folks are realize that they can do a lot of things from the comfort of their home and they like doing things from the comfort of their home. So why not have the ability to do your banking and do a Zoom call just like this from the comfort of your home and have access to our financial advisors, access to our home lending advisors, access to our bankers in the retail branch from the comfort of your own home, even on your iPhone, through a Zoom type of a device. So we already have embarked on uh, setting up our virtual banking team. Uh, and we're excited about that as we move forward. Um, specifically to the path forward, we think about what we're doing to close the racial wealth gap. You know, we're gonna measure trust across the board. We're going to measure it city by city. We're going to measure it specifically in the Black community and in the Latinx community to say, hey, you know, are we winning the trust The trust score, the trust game uh, to see if we're doing the right thing? We'll continue to listen to the community and really welcome all partners that want to do this work because we're one bank, one financial institution, and we know that, that there's a headset from other financial institutions, other businesses, nonprofits that want to do this work, uh, and we'll help You know, whether it's a CDFI, whether it's a a MDFI minority, you know, financial institution, we are also investing and providing that intellectual capital to help some of our partners. So we'll continue to do those things, Derek, and see if we can't uh, get as many folks that are in service and closing closing this racial wealth gap and not just be us uh, doing it all ourselves.
0: Well, Lawrence, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share any last thoughts, uh, any um, comments you'd like to make that we we haven't covered about areas we haven't covered that you want to share with um, our audience.
1: Well, no, I would just probably share a personal antidote. Uh, first of all, I'm excited about the partnership. I'm excited that you had me on this call. You know, when when we started, you know, thinking about this conversation, I was going back to my childhood and my late father and Mr. Earl Graves. Um, and, and my dad, and Earl Grace, he knew Earl Grace, he used to talk about Earl Grace when he was working in the political sphere back in the days. And so I'm proud of the work that you continue to do, the legacy you continue to carry at Black Enterprise, and that we're part of it. So I want to make sure I say that first and foremost, and you, Derek, all the things you're doing to keep the headset on this work. And, and I would end with, with where we started, which is, you know, we're going to do our best to really lean in into the communities, be proximate in the communities, make sure we continue to listen to the communities. And again, challenge anyone that wants to be part of this journey to join us and see what we can do to really make an impact and really not only close the racial wealth gap, as you said, but continue to build wealth in the black community.
0: Wow, that's, that's powerful. And Lawrence, this has been a, a great conversation. Really enjoyed talking to you like to talk to you again as an update, and um, you know, hopefully, real soon uh, visit the uh, the center, you know, in in the Dallas uh, you know Metroplex. Uh, it, it's just fascinating work that you're you're doing, and um, it's it's very important that you're increasing and, and pushing the financial health of our communities. So thank you very much for being a part of this segment of chasing success it's been has been fantastic
1: well, thanks for having me
0: okay thank you